Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get off my lawn cast, a podcast that features the hopefully open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons as they valiantly stare down the prospect of their impending entertainment irrelevance. I am your esteemed co-host. My name is Noah Tarno. Hello. I am the founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, the trivia game show Spectacular. Talking to you, uh, not live, recorded from San Francisco, California. Hey, and with me, as always, my friend, my compatriot, my co-host from thousands of miles away. Say hi, buddy. Coming at you live from San Francisco, the Netherlands. Uh, my name is Bill Scurry. I'm the founder and proprietor of something called American Caesar Enterprises, which, Noah, uh, serves all your tea cozy and table doily needs since 1981. <laughs> my mom, my mom, my sister and I like to make fun of our mom because... During a period of her life where she was very not doing a whole lot, uh, we had been moving a lot. And for my dad's job, she said, how I'm very busy today. And we're exaggerating. There's some story like she's like, I can't do anything tomorrow. Why? I have to go out and buy doilies. Like that literally was her whole day was buying <laughs> doilies. I, I'm sure the story's more complicated than that. But my sister, and I love to tease our mom like you once spent a whole day buying doilies. You couldn't make other plans because doily shopping. And now she so, can just do it online, too. That's the thing. Now you can think buy of how much easier her life's been made. I know. It's all Jeff Bezos destroying the world is worth it so that my mom doesn't have to leave the house to buy doilies. By the way, have, okay. you, heard, have you heard this yacht story about Bezos? Apparently, like, uh, here in Rotterdam. I heard, I heard the Amsterdam's denying it, right? Well, they, there's a big ship working, a ship works in Rotterdam, which makes both cruise ships and the mega yachts. It's like the premier place to make mega yachts. And you've I would know learned, because... You've learned so much about your new country. Bill. Also, I've been looking for a place to park my money and make a mega yacht. And finally, I found the shipyard to actually do it. So the thing is, I said, his boat is in the slip in the dry dock before mine. But I'm gonna, we'll get back to that later. <laughs> his is before yours? Uh, it surprises me. But before. apparently, there is this bridge there. I'm sure you, this is the one bit of news that yeah. people have actually sent me because they... Apparently, think I don't read Dutch news, so that's okay. But anyway, yeah, the bridge would need to be removed in order to get his masts through this, and that the people right. of Rotterdam are incensed. Right. And I heard, I heard the the, the the officials had denied the story. They said it's bullshit. I haven't heard that, not at all. Oh, what they have I, I said, read. what I have heard, is that they said that oh, nothing is nothing is decided yet. But the reality is, is that oh, there's there's no way to get the boat out unless they pull this trestle down. So for those of you who have never listened to the show before, Bill lives in Amsterdam. So this is why he has his finger on the pulse of Netherlands. Of ship, shipbuilding, the shipyard. Ship, I'm on the ship, shipyard beat. Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> he's, at, he's at the I don't get it uh, Dutch <laughs> shipyard desk. He mans that desk. <laughs> You wouldn't, love, yeah, you better leave this, but there aren't too many other desks here besides that yeah, one. Yeah, not a lot of desks in our office. Yeah, I'm the uh, guy. I do that anyway. in obits. Yes, <laughs> I do that and the and and perfume reviews. I once read, I don't know still, but the New York Times had a perfume editor, and I read like a mini profile of them. And reading the whole thing, I they never quite stated that this is not a full time job. Like you could read it and interpret that, and like what rarefied air do you breathe if you are a full time perfume reviewer for the New York Times? Yeah, it was like Abe Rosenthal's like niece or something like that. Yeah. That's who it would have been. What, what a job. Anyway, uh, so what do we do on this show? We talk about something that's hot, something that's new, something that's happening in the world of pop culture. And this is going to be uh, our second consecutive music topic. Last week, we talked about the song that reigns all at the moment, uh, the song from uh, Encanto. We don't talk about Bruno. And today, we're talking about a pop singer who I have heard tell of for probably years now. I've definitely heard the name, but really has been gaining on us in recent months. Uh, we are talking about uh, Mr. Mixes Pitalik, uh, the interdimensional <laughs> imp who has played Superman since. Oh, I'm sorry, that's a that's a mistake. Not not Mixes Pitalik. Uh, honest, honest mistake. Honest mistake. Mitski, honest mistake. An actual singer. Uh, Mitski is a pop singer. Uh, pop. You could define her genre in many ways. Uh, her full name is Mitski Miyawaki. She was born Mitsuki Laycock. In 1990, I believe Miyawaki is her mother's maiden name. She chose that for reasons that 
I could not find. She's a little private about her private life. A little private about her private life. How, how about that for a turn of phrase? She was born in 1990 in Japan uh, to a Japanese mother and an American father who uh, worked in the State Department. There are pervasive rumors online that her dad was in the CIA. Uh, and she was raised all over the world. She traveled all over the world as a kid, had a bit of a solitary childhood, she claims, and that turned her to music. And uh, by her college years, she ended up in the U.S. of A. She attended uh, SUNY Purchase College of Music, where actually while she was there, she met a guy named, I didn't write this down, Patrick Hyland, I believe. He has since produced all her albums. And she released her first two albums while she was still at SUNY Purchase. Uh, Lush in 2012. And in 2013, an album titled Retired from Sad, New Career in Business. Uh, I love that title. Very strange. She's very act- strange title. She's actually pretty good with album titles. Um, so 2014, another album, Bury Me at Makeout Creek. like that title, too. 2015, she signed with the Hip 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 Dead Oceans label. Uh, and in 16, she released another album with a great title, Puberty 2. And she t- uh, traveled the world opening for Lord and the Pixies. I love the. I saw the Pixies about four years ago. They were opening for Weezer. That was an interesting double bill. Uh, but man, do I like the Pixies. Uh, 2018, she. I guess that was sort of a breakthrough. An album called "Be the Cowboy," and that got her profiles in the New York Times. I saw a clip of her on the Daily Show talking to Trevor Noah. And then actually in 2019, she quit music or quit performing music. She moved to Nashville. And was trying to, you know, become a behind-the-scenes songwriter. And a couple months later, she went back on that. Uh, she said the muse spoke to her, but it might have just been that she owed the Dead Oceans label another album. She started writing an album. She finished it during lockdown. And, uh, well, first she she did a mini-album as the soundtrack to a graphic novel, sci-fi graphic novel called This Is Where We Fall. And that, in 2021, that album has never been streamed. It's only available on vinyl and cassette. And uh, she just this month released her sixth album, Laurel Hell. It was preceded by several singles uh, starting in October with uh, Working for the Knife. Uh, She also released after that The Only Heartbreaker, which was co-written by my boy, Dan Wilson of Semisonic, who also co-wrote hits with Adele and The Chicks. Um, Remind uh, me again, what do I know Semisonic from? Closing they, time. Closing time was their big song, but I knew uh, I knew Semisonic before they were cool. Semisonic's from Minneapolis, so they were big at my college, which is near Minneapolis. They played at my school like right before uh, Closing Time came out. And of the the two years I was a cog in the machine of Rolling Stone, they published three of my record reviews, including a review of Feeling Strangely Fine, the album that featured Closing Time. So, so I'm the reason. Yeah. Dan Wilson has a career. Yeah, That's me, folks. It's That's, you. That, you're, you're the guy. You're welcome. You're welcome, Dan Wilson. Uh, so um, this month, Laura Hill was released this month. She began her tour this month of the world. Uh, the album is a little divisive in reviews. Consequence gave it a perfect score. Rolling Stone gave it four out of five, which if that's anything like when I worked at Rolling Stone, you only get five if you've been dead for 20 years. So that's a good review, four out of five. Uh, but uh, Onion AV Club really didn't like it. Pitchfork was mixed. And I read a review in Slate, which my days of hoping to be a music reviewer are so I couldn't make heads or tails of this review. It made no sense to me. I'm my brain is gone. Uh, the Guardian called her the best young songwriter in the U.S. And we're gonna get into what this music is like, but just know that she kind of belongs to the sad, lonely girl genre. Uh, the Guardian says, this is true, I saw this myself, there are 81,000 people following a Spotify playlist called Mitski Songs Ranked in Order of Sadness. <laughs> uh, and the album is, you know, I think, it seems to me she's bigger overseas. I, I didn't even see the album on Billboard's album charts, but it's number six currently in the UK. So Mitski, single name, Mitski, uh, you know, the hot thing now, we uh, one of our fans, who was it who suggested we look at Mitski? Marie. Marie Mandaka, old friend of ours. Uh, and like I said, I've been hearing the name for a while, so it, it seemed about time. So, Bill, I gave Mitski pretty solid. I listened to Laura Hell all the way through twice, listened to all her old singles, watched a bunch of videos, a couple of interviews, a few articles. Uh, I really did a bit of a deep dive into Mitski, but I'm curious what you think of Mitski. Veronica Louise Ciccone. 
Well, I uh, should start off by saying I may have made a horrible error because all my research is about Mitzi Gaynor. Uh, so I may have misunderstood the assignment, but uh, I'm going to try to... My, my, joke, my joke was better, Bill. I'm going to try to uh, go on uh, uh, in spite of all that, too. Thank you. Uh, but look, Google Mitzi Gaynor, everybody, just so you understand. Yeah, yeah. It was, right, I was either right. going to say that or Mitzi Shore, but I think Mitzi Shore <laughs> would have been more of a, a behind-the-scenes kind of person. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, she's got a very – oh, by the way, here's a trivia question. Do you know who, yeah. opened, who opened up for her on the tour uh, before she before she uh, dipped out when she was – she did a show in Central Park in 2019 and said, hey, I'm out of here. Her opening act was a former topic of ours. Yeah. Uh, uh, Livy Rodrigo, Lucy Dacus, Lucy. Da- you know what? I read that, idiot. I know. Anyway, there's you know, there's no points awarded. Don't worry, you don't win anything. My memory's gone. Yeah, it is. So yeah, she her voice is in a very. What would you say? It's in sort of a low timber. Uh, she she sings. Uh, her register is is um, it's very low. Uh, she maintains. I don't think it's that low. No, it's not. It's not so low. She's not. She's not doing the the Lana Del Rey haunted. No, thing. no, not like that. It's a hard thing. Is I since I don't know the terms of music, I don't know what you call her. It's not alto. It's not contralto. I don't quite know how you, how you would classify her voice. I but think it, she has a very impressive range. Yeah, um, she she her music is heavily guitar based for sure. Yes. Uh, there is yes. a there is a loud kind of guitar yes. bass. You hear the drums. You hear the yes. guitar. This is rock beat. and roll, man. It is definitely rock and roll. You know, like one of the things, you know, like it made me think of Lucy Dacus because Lucy Dacus, the, I think the sum effect of that was we thought of, oh, this this is definitely sad, diary, sad girl pop. And Lucy Dacus had a more high ethereal voice, high pitched voice, uh, and it was less rock and roll. There was definitely some rock and roll, but it was more about that sort of diary feeling stuff. This feels uh, heavier, thicker. Um, you know, you certainly hear the grind of electric guitar in here. It's, it's about that. Um, and the sound of her voice is very nice. You know, the, the thing is, though, is that I, um, oh, 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 the other thing I was, I was kind of surprised. These songs are routinely like two minutes, 30 seconds yeah. to like three minutes, three, maybe three yeah. 15. Yeah. They are yeah, pop yeah. songs in the, in the mold yeah. of pop songs, the way they don't make them anymore. Uh, every time I've listened to a song, it's like, Jesus, this was brief. This got in and got out. Uh, now, I mean, who knows if that's the standard thing, but she clearly has found a way to express herself in a, in a, in a concise package. Um, you know, I think that the, this, the length of the song kind of, uh, you know, tells a tale about what her, her, you know, the way she's communicating through her music, uh, not just the sound of the guitars and all that stuff. So the thing is, though, is that I, I did find her music to be strangely uh, amelodic. Um, you know, she amelodic. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny because I, I spent a lot of time uh, over the Christmas break with my father-in-law, and you know, he's a, he's a much older man than we are. He's a couple... huge Mitski fan. Oh my God, he's the biggest enormous. Mitzke he fan. he he turned me on to Mitski. I should have yeah. mentioned that too. He got he has a Nitsky tattoo on his back. One of the things he kept saying about pop music, the reason why he can't get into pop music, he says, yeah. because there's no melody to it. And I realized it's like, oh, well, this is a man who's in his 80s. And to him, it's like Tom Lehrer is, is the height of, of pop music. Like Tom Lehrer was great. He's great. still alive. So I'm saying, but it's like he's thinking yeah. of, he's thinking whatever the songs that Tom Lehrer would like do in 1965. That's like to him, that's what pop music is, that kind of melody. I'm like, all right. And I, at the at first, I didn't understand what he meant, but it's like, okay, I get what he's talking about. Like to him, melody sounds like a certain thing, and it's like when I was listening to Miski, I realized, oh, I'm not really getting a melody. I don't, some of these tunes aren't really hummable. Uh, maybe you can listen to them over and over again, but they're not really catchy. You know, there, there's some licks and some hooks, but it's not really a melody so much. And um, I found myself again. I listened to a bunch of them too. I was watching the videos on YouTube and listening to them. Some of them I would watch the videos. Some of them I put the window in the background and, and listen to the songs. You know, because I think watching the video can get confusing. Like so, it's I could get hooked on the visual message because she very much makes her own videos. That might tell a slightly different story than the sound just listening to it. Uh, but I realize it's like oh, these things are kind of zeroing out into one idea. These these songs are so short. Um, they're not really melodic and I don't really remember much of them except for the one song you know this I kept reading all the pieces whether it was in that Guardian piece or Consequence that uh, there is one song which is un- unmistakably borrows Maneater the bass line from Maneater uh, wait, wait I didn't notice that which song is that that is should have been me should have been me, which is off the new album. Really? Yeah. All right. It's I got it. I, I, I mean, obviously, dun, dun, I've listened to the song a few times. Dun, dun, I didn't dun. get that. Yeah. Which, by the way, as much as I love Hollow Notes, I, do, I, do, I think Maneater is a pretty weak song. I think H2O, I was talking about this with my sister recently. H2O, the album with Maneater, not good. 
I, I can't I couldn't tell you the track listing on that song, but I'm just saying it's like uh, it had it had Man Eater, it had uh, One on One's the best song. That's a good song. Yeah, that's Family a really good Man. One. Which they Family Man's a great song. You know, you know who wrote they Family didn't Man. Write it. Did who, they didn't write it. Mike Oldfield, Tubular Bells. I know, wrote I know, Man. Mike Oldfield. Anyway, it's whatever. I, it's, it's you know, it's just compared to Private Eyes or Voices. But anyway, we're not talking about Hall Notes. We're talking about um, Mitski. Uh, but once I heard that, I'm like, oh, I, you know, it had this sort of. Then there was a, there was a melody to it. There was something like, all right, whether or not it was cribbing it, it was coincidental. It re- it made me think of Hall Notes, and it made me think of how easy those guys just whipped out these these earworms that were so melodic, that were so hooky. And I was thinking, like, well, that's not what she she's there to do something different. But it's like, well, if you fused that type of songwriting with that incredible bass line on top of what she's doing, it that made it dance to me. That made it sit up. That song, and you know what? That was the first song I listened to. I happened to listen to the one with the Hall and O's bass line first. Should have been me. And I was like, oh, this is this. I like this a lot. Wow, this is an interesting sound. And then everything else sounded very dissimilar to that. And I got really disinterested as I went on because it got further and further. It got more and more obscure. And here's the thing. Uh, when it comes back to her visual image, because she is as much a visual storyteller, I think, as she is a, uh, a songwriter and a performer, and she carries over because you sent me uh, there was a, sh- a, sh- yes. a show from Brooklyn she was doing. Uh, it was a yeah one show of hers. It was live, and much like her videos and her live performances, she is extremely obscure with her performance. Uh. You know this. This I, re- maybe. Yeah. You know what? She- I, 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 you say obscure now, but you're you're you're. Uh, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but your reaction to me to the, when I sent you that yesterday, your reaction was the opposite of obscure. Uh, she like she has this sort of series of hand gestures when she's performing. Yes. It's this syncopated, yeah. almost sign language that she invented. It's from Buto. It's from Japanese Buto. I read that. I read that. I don't know yeah. what the fuck Buto is. It doesn't matter. Besides, besides the former prime minister, the former prime minister of Pakistan, I don't know okay. from Buto, but uh, otherwise, <laughs> and uh, you know him better than her. Ben was a her. her. Oh, Sorry, you're right. It's okay, but yeah, but clearly, the, I don't know her. The other thing though was that. Um, I kept thinking of uh, St. Vincent. I kept thinking of oh, David, yeah. David yeah. Byrne. I kept thinking about all these other performers who make these these really obscure songs where it's so tied up in, in artfulness and so tied up in this knowledge of music. And it's like very unsatisfying to listen to. And, uh, a, a Saint, as much as I think St. Saint, Saint Vincent's uh, music chops are incredible, I don't get any joy. I don't ever go back to listening to the songs. Like the, the, her, her guitar skills are insane. I think that she's an incredible musician. I just don't really care to listen. The same thing with David Byrne. I never, never, ever, ever got into David Byrne's songs and talking. It's because he's just he just seems so cerebral and so out of it that there's nothing there to hook onto. And then I'll hand it over to you in a second. Then I realized, oh, you know what? I'm kind of dancing around here. Is that she Mitski is like Kate Bush for 2022. Uh, and okay. not only that, not only that, All but right. the thing is, I just read, I was, I went on a Kate Bush rampage the other night on Twitter, uh, on, on, on <laughs> Kate YouTube. Kate Bush rampage. <laughs> I was listening to, what is it, Cloud Busting and a bunch of songs. And then it's yeah. like, I read that Kate Bush, after her, I think her first album hit, uh, what she did is she took a bunch of that money she got from her label. I can't remember which label it was. And she did uh, a year of interpretive dance classes. Like that's the first thing she's thought of because what she wanted to do was while she performed in her videos and in concerts, she wanted to tell the story interpretively behind the microphone. And I'm like, oh, that's exactly what Mitski's doing. She is coming up with this visual style. It's it's quasi-interpretive dance. It's it's you know it's something else that like being that kind of artist. You know, and I, it's Kate Bush. There are some songs that hit. There are some songs that don't. But they are also very, very specific. You know, they get they get deep. And it's like I don't know what Kate Bush is thinking about sometimes. I don't know how the hell she can babushka ka or whatever that name that song was. It's like it's cool, but it's like man, I I don't know where this is going. And there's a little bit of that from Misky for me too. In some respects, I agree with you. I think Kate Bush is an apt comparison. Uh, I think you are so fucking wrong about her in a couple respects. One. You talk about the obscure movements and, you know, I sent you that clip and you're like, this is a parody of art rock, whatever you said. Uh, The reason that works for me, that video especially worked for me and why I find her videos so appealing is because I think Mitski has, something we talk about in the show a lot, she has it. She has star power. 
she is a magnetic performer, which too few, forget singers, celebrities these days, I lament, have. Put that aside for a minute. I think you're more wrong about her songs not having melody. I think her songs are brimming with melody. Hooks and earworms galore. And that, you know, your father-in-law is right about Tom Lehrer wrote great pop songs because just these little piano figures that get stuck in your head, you know? Plus, they were the lyrics were fucking hilarious and incisive. If you don't know Tom Lehrer, folks, I mean, he couldn't be less like Mitski, but he's worth your time. Um, I think she's got that. She knows that. Um, I think these songs just have hooks all over the place. I, I, she never loses sight of the melody thing. And I don't know where you get that there's no melody here. Listen to... Um, well, Working for the Knife has been stuck in my head. And what's the song that I just thought was like actually just a hook and it needs more? One of the singles from the new album. I wrote this down. Um, uh, well, The Only Heartbreaker's got a great hook. Love Me More. Love Me More. Now, look, she is, I think it's accurate to say she's part of the sad girl thing. And the sad girl aesthetic doesn't go very far with me. Uh, we've looked at a lot of sad girls on the show in the, in the, in the annals of, I don't get it, the pop culture, get off my long cast. So I found myself comparing, you know, kind of, kind of summing them up in my head. You know, Lana Del Rey's a phony. Billie Eilish is immature. You know, Taylor Swift's a dilettante. She's only a sad girl sometimes. Fiona Apple's too weird. Olivia Rodrigo isn't very original. And Lucy Dacus is too timid. But Mitski puts it all together. Mitski comes off to me at least as honest, thoughtful, creative, catchy, and she fucking rocks. Now, I think St. Vincent is okay, but when St. Vincent first emerged, it kind of annoyed people were like, people like wanted to like her more than she, oh, she, she shreds, she shreds, and I didn't get that. She can. But Mit, she can't. Mitski's music almost, her, don't listen to her early stuff. I listened to part of her first album that I, no use for that. But at least by now, Laurel Hell. And some of the, I mean, uh, some of the stuff from 2016 or so, 2018, everything has a spine, has a backbone. Is this pop music? Of course. But this is rock and roll. I am so fucking sick of rock and roll, quote, that isn't rock and roll. I'm sick of whining people with no edge being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, as if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame matters. But this is, I mean, I'm a, I'm a rockist. I like rock and roll. She puts it all together. I think she's very good. That said, like I said, she's still one of the sad girls. A little of that goes a long way with me. I like this album. I might even, I'm definitely going to buy a few tracks on this album. Seriously. I think Working for the Knife, if you guys know me, you know about my series of, of, of mixtapes and never repeated a song. Whatever. Working for the Knife is a, is, a, is a top contender to be on the next mixtape. So that is high praise coming from me, folks. Um, She's great. I think she's great. Not exactly my thing. So I'm not going to go to a Mit I don't know. No, I'd go to a Mitski concert. That would be fun. Noah, tell me why Mitski is popular at this moment. Well, there's a reason we've looked at so many sad, lonely girls on the show because people like them. Girls like them mostly, but people like them. Uh, people want that confessional thing. People want to feel something. And I would say the fact that Mitski really gives her songs that backbone, the fact that she has that fresh kind of star power, that presence, she's doing something a little different. And I didn't say this too. Like one of the things I like about these songs, I mean, I like a lot of very basic rock and roll, like punk rock songs that aren't reinventing the wheel, but they're just, they're making the wheel that I like roll in a very good way. And I think every one of her songs has a little something different to it. It's got, different layers she has this odd way of incorporating piano and 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 unusual percussion i think there's a lot to her music while still being in the pop rock idiom and a thought i had is she kind of covers both bases she has the sad confessional thing that is for girls and she has the hard rocker thing that's for boys see what i mean i mean it's very generalizing and by the way when i say she gets the sad thing like I believe it. I, people praise her lyrics. And while I think the lyrics are maybe not quite as poetic as some people say they are, uh, they are really interesting. Like the song co-written with Dan Wilson, The Only Heartbreaker, uh, 
if you would just make it's called yeah only heartbreaker if you would just make one mistake what a relief that would be but i think for as long as we're together i'll be the only heartbreaker so i'll be the loser in this game i'll be the bad guy in the play i'll be the water main that's burst and flooding You'll be by the window only watching. Also, she wrote a song uh, on her last album called Washing Machine Heart, which I just think is an awesome metaphor. Uh, and it goes, baby, will you kiss me already and toss your dirty shoes in my washing machine heart? Baby, bang it up inside. I mean, she's taken this thing that's been worn smooth and she's just injecting it with life. I get it why. I mean, she's got this real crazy fandom and I get that. Because she's just taken this thing we've heard a thousand times before and just injecting it with new life. And this is what people want. People want to feel something. And they can feel it both in her confessional style and in the power of her music. Um, and she also speaks the language of the era in that um, she, she was on The Daily Show and she was talking a lot about the expectations that she feels are placed on her as a woman and as an Asian woman. And me saying that, it sounds like she's just the most obnoxious, like, you know, left-wing, you know, whiner. But watch the clip. She doesn't come off that way at all. She she really, she 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 says it in a way that's very believable and very honest and, and very, you know, h- hard to deny, I think, or, or certainly hard to take issue with. Yeah, she's got a different vantage point about that, for sure. I guess. I mean, there are plenty of people who grew up all over the world. There are plenty of mixed-race people, especially in the arts. Uh, so... You know, she just she just finds a way to express it without being obnoxious, and without with with, I mean, maybe it's all an act, but I don't think she comes off that way. So, I think she gives people what they want right now in a very accessible, but not at all contrived package. Mm-hmm. You know, That's she it. she yeah she herself has said that uh, she's a place where this is her quote people can put all of their feelings, their ugliness that don't have a place in their own lives. And uh, I'm assuming that that um, I mean, that's a, you know, that's a poetic way to describe the phenomenon, the parasocial phenomenon you have with the music, with a musician, uh, especially in these days where everybody is everybody else's best friend because you have such access to everybody's <laughs> life. You know, you get to make a you get to make a full three dimensional person on a Mitski rather than the projection of a, a poster as we would have had back in the day or an album cover. Um, but yeah, you know, to, I, I can't disagree with anything you said there, except for the fact that I don't find it catchy necessarily. But this is it's confession. I, just, I don't know where you get that, man. The sound isn't doing anything for me. That's what it. That's, that's what it is. Fucking nuts. It's confessional. This is super produced pop, which you know I think um, I think that there's an icy cool remove. Um, you know, that's I, I. I. It's I think it's her voice sounds a little detached. As much as the song grinds, she's keeping it super low. You know, and I think that. It's, it's this stuff is all done in a way that uh, people love this particular idiom right now, you know. Uh, and, and 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 again, going back to the hand gestures, going back to the buto hand gestures and and the interpretive dance, and you know that she wears knee pads because she does a lot of crawling around the stage and a lot of contact, and it it's, it winds up almost looking like Jim Cotta, you know. That but that's genius that she wears the knee pads. That's fucking genius. I guess so because know. because you're caught, you see the knee pads and it's a constant reminder. Of, hey, she's a human being. Sure. Like, okay. I'm sure she's wearing the knee pads because she doesn't want her knees to hurt. But man, like, if she had if she had thought that up, that would have been genius. I guess. Anyway. Yeah. All right. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. I, here's here you're, to me. You're wrong, man. You're what wrong. it says to me. No, it's like Mitski is a cipher uh, as an artist. You know, she she lards her message with interpretive dance, visual storytelling, which I think uh, I, even just watching, you know, just spending last night doing the research and going from video to video and reading story to story. Um, it, it, it lends this idea that the Mitski project from beginning to end, all the bits Mitsuki and pieces, project. the right, the Mitski project, not to be confused with the, uh, the, the, uh, the mini project on Fox, uh, coming at you this fall. Um, it really, I think people like the idea that there's more than more at play than just short, sad pop dirges you know that there is a large of course they do that's why they like music that it speaks to them right but it's like some it says what they can't say some some bands a lot of bands don't aren't telling a story between albums so much as telling the story on well albums really don't mean anything anymore anyway as we know people have relationship with person based on song by song that's it that's the hit these days so i mean i think that she she is probably of an era where she's regarding an album as a whole statement not that the artists today don't but the the public who who absorbs them is strictly picking up one song at a time albums don't really mean as much as they used to as we all know but i i think she's telling a story 
that rolls over from thing to thing. And again, it's like how many other people decided I'm going to incorporate uh, Butoh gestures as a you know ligature that brings together my performing style. I'm going to direct my videos. Some artists do. Some artists certainly do. But other other artists are guided visually by other people. Stronger, like Mark Romanek, who would come on and make these videos. Oh, what is it? Anton Corbain, the photographer, would create visual messages using other people. Tarsim Singh did this. I mean, he I don't he didn't create REM, but he changed REM's cachet when he did the video for Losing My Religion by creating what was essentially a strange art picture. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't, uh, uh, who was it, Bill Buck and, 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 and uh, Michael, Michael Stipe. That was, that was the... Peter they, Buck. Peter, sorry, Peter Buck. They, they, uh, they agreed to this idea and they were excited by it, but it was someone else's visual idea that was bringing the ligature to them. And I think that Mitski is a different type of artist. And much like Annie Clark does this too. Annie Clark has been very involved. And when she was doing all her press for her last album, she had a lot of like facial prosthetics. There were weird things that made it look like she had subcutaneous... Uh, horns and projections and all this weird stuff. Really? And it's, yeah, yeah. It was like, I oh. didn't know that. And it's like, oh, and Janelle Monet is also incredible with this. Janelle Monet yeah. creates a wow. package from the top down. Yeah, and, but that's, I mean, you could like it. I think it's appealing, but it's, she's, she's doing an act, you know? She's yeah. a Lady Gaga kind of person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, but I, that's, there's more theatricality and there's more of a movie. There's more of a cinematic thing. And it's like, this, that looks like cinema. Again, this is, this is my uh, quick metaphor. That's cinema. This is like going to a performance, a, a modern dance. And it's like, you're having to parse a lot of this stuff as text. In addition to the song, I keep feeling like, well, you got to keep your hands on her hand gestures. You know, you got to keep your eyes on her hand gestures, rather. You got to see, it's like she's going to hit the ground on her knee. You know, like she wears the knee pads because she does a lot of rolling around on stage. You know, she strikes and she rolls and she does a lot of like quasi gymnastics moves. And that's part of it. It's not, those aren't errant gestures. Those are chosen choreography. And it's supposed to accentuate what she means for the song. Uh, all that stuff, I think, like I said, tells a bigger story than just Mick Jagger doing that syncopated clap and the chicken dance across the stage. Although that looked like something incredibly drawing and poetic in 1971, that doesn't have the density of storytelling that I think Mitski's going for with this. Is there any chance, if you were a young person now, desperate to feel something in our cold, hard, pandemic and environmental decay and fascism-ravaged world, would you seek out the art of one Mitski, nay, Laycock, currently Miyawaki? Would you seek out this art as a succor for your damaged psyche well if you know i'm certainly i'm a sucker for uh you know yeah you're a sucker for a lot of things everybody knows that uh i it's weird because again the first song i listened to it should have been me and i had this really oh wow is it gonna go this way are we gonna get this really kind of like poppy synthetic synthesized idea of uh all sorts of music put together in one place is it gonna be this 2021 2022 sound with influences of stuff like stuff from the 80s and influences of stuff from the 70s and it turns out that like okay i was thinking boy i i could go for this this is something i could easily buy into uh when i was a kid um just because again it would have been so synthetic but then it got away from that pretty quickly and it just became this other insuid generous music that um aside from recognizable recognizable guitar and percussion it didn't sound like anything else in my my um my nutrition and my my food pyramid of music that i listened to the, sorry i'm picturing that pyramid yeah go ahead it's got it's, it's got, got it's got asia at the top emerson lake and Lincoln, oh, palmer yeah. yeah by the way ian mcdonald passed away huh oh i didn't read that yeah, Ian McDonald, founder, co-founder of both King Crimson and Foreigner. And last night in virtual karaoke, the 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 KJ, Dana Morgan, uh, she a fan of many of those bands. She did it, she just did Foreigner song, then King Crimson song, then Foreigner song, then King Crimson song. I hate to, you know, but, I, 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 that, I, you know, that's I gotta say the short answer to this, by the way, is is you know, I would have difficulty latching onto this. But I, one more thing about Foreigner. I only recently 
because because I knew one more thing about Foreigner. Foreigner, uh, because it was Ian McDonald and who was it? Mick uh, Mick Jones was the two Jones. guys. Not the Mick Jones from the Clash. A different no, movie. different Mick Jones. And it's like I thought that Foreigner was a British band, and then my friend the other night says, "No, no, Lou Graham is from America." I'm yeah, like, Luke what? Graham. Yeah, the the name Foreigner was because they were by. I had no idea. It blew my mind that I thought Foreigner. I thought Foreigner was a '70s British band of like nope, like Foghat or something. And instead, turns out that they're they're American or half American, half English. I didn't know. I thought Foghat was American. I they maybe I don't know. I'm talking to my ass here. I would have liked this. I think maybe possibly if I was young. You know, it's funny. Like uh, '90s, you know, was the rise of the 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 beginning rise of the sad girl and at first it was like Alanis Morissette she was the rocking out sad girl and then got we got all the Alanis clones like you know Meredith Brooks and then it became the Jewel Paula Cole Sarah McLaughlin kind of wave and I I hated most of that stuff um, mostly because I just thought thought you know I, I've said a lot my problem with all those women not all of them but a lot of those women then and to their credit a lot of them seem to have recovered from it like Fiona Apple like Alanis Morissette to an extent is they were being sold as like, they're not just pop singers. She's an inspiration. She's a poet, blah, blah, blah. So they buy their own hype and buy their second album. It's literally just, you know, whining poetry and it's just useless garbage. And like Alanis Morissette, the edge in that first album, fucking gone. Uh, Glenn, whatever his name is. Ballard, Glenn Ballard. Glenn Ballard. Did he even write stuff on her second album? I don't know. Anyway, the point is, I didn't like that. But the one female singer-songwriter in the 90s who really connected with me was Liz Fair. Liz Fair really spoke to me because not only was she rocking, not only did she have that kind of guitar edge that I really appreciated, but I felt like she was able to express herself in a way that even though I was very male and she had a very female point of view, uh, it it resonated with me in a way that I wasn't getting from any of the Alanis, Jewel, Fiona, Paula's, what have you. And I feel like if I were in my 20s now or even a teenager, I would I, Mitski would fill that role for me. The fact that she has that edge, the fact that she expresses herself in what I feel is a more generally accessible way while not being simplistic. And that she seems real. Liz Fair seemed real to me in a way those women didn't. So I kind of think Mitski is the Mitski is to Olivia Rodrigo, Billie Eilish, Lana Del Rey, et al. as Liz Fair is to or was to Alanis, Paul Cole, Sarah McLaughlin. Et al. So today I will wear my white button down. What about a sign of the apocalypse? Does Mitski fill any of the requisite uh, criteria? Yeah, I actually think so a little. Her, she's kind of, she kind of cuts this post-apocalyptic figure. Uh, possibly my favorite video of hers is the one for um, the only heartbreaker. It's really cool. It's just she's basically this. It's not hard to parse, but this metaphor that she she's touching things and touching trees in the forest that oh, yeah. burn down. Yeah, it's pretty apocalyptic. And she, like, she barfs up this like little little ball of fire that just basically sets everything, destroys the earth. Um, so I think she kind of partly why she's popular is she kind of fulfills this like image of an apocalyptic world. She's a big mashup of all sorts of unhappy things. We've always had unhappy music, and I've always connected to unhappy music, but she really kind of puts it together in a way that's like, this is music for the end of the world. Like it's all over and let's just kind of ride the wave downward. And in some respect, I find that comforting. You know, I, I found a little bit of a silver lining with the state of the world that I say this now, who knows how I feel, but like, I actually feel like I'm less scared of death than I used to be. And uh, I think, I think she's kind of riding that wave. So while I'm very glad Mitski is popular and hope she keeps getting more popular, I do think that music like this only really catches on when, you know, things aren't going so well. <laughs> the world's going going to hell in in some kind of receptacle. Right. I I don't know. Uh, I don't know about the apocalypse in this case, just because she is uh, an artist of absolute integrity. In fact, I would say you. Know, you yeah, but have... you say she has no melody. You don't. What do you know? What the hell does that have to do with integrity? I can understand integrity. I I, I don't trust your opinion I on don't, the subject. I at don't. All, I don't. I think that she's got incredible integrity. Uh, she is is. I know what. This is the other thing too. Is that you know you listen to her sound. It is distinctly her. She is wholly invested into pleasing herself with her songwriting and her performance gestalt. I mean, she honestly is thinking of herself as an artist first, 
It sounds like she is less trying to give her fans what she thinks they want than assuming that they will want what she gives them. Yes. Which, you know, is pretty cool. Um, She's honest. Yeah. I mean, look, I don't have anything that, wrong. She's not Lana Del Rey. She's not Lizzie Grant pretending to be someone. This is, it's so refreshingly different. Well, look, there's been a lot of great songs. A lot of great music has come from artists giving people some synthesis of what they assume they want. And there have been great albums that have come, uh, albums again, whatever that term means, from people who are just coming upon a whole vision and they're trying to execute a whole vision. So, you know, in this case, it's like the people go along with her. It's always great. It's a, it, it, like, I don't, you said it's a strong fan base. I'll agree. It's, it, it probably borders on culty yeah. to some degree. Too. Yeah, they, they've been saying that. Yeah, they've been saying there was some quote somewhere that, like, it's not as big as Taylor Swift's fan base, but it's just as intense. Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, that's pretty amazing. But, uh, yeah. So, so, um, you know, and I don't know. I, I think th- those things, the way she's going about her business as, as the Mitski project, again, I dig all those things. I mean, that's a great corrective. Like you said, of the 90s when people were, you know, they were signed. They were pretty much get off a bus, sign them if they looked like they were the part. And, you know, within a couple of years, you know, the album would, the, the machine would squeeze a few albums out of them and they'd be kind of bankrupt. There'd be nothing left to give. And by that point, the impression is made and they're juiced up. And it's like, well, she's running her own show. She grew modestly and she found a pretty fervent sound base. So that, you know, that looks pretty healthy to me. Uh, in any respect that you're jealous of Mitski, jealous of the the Mitski phenomenon, the uh, the the Mits, what are what are her fans called? Mits Mits. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Mitskites, Mit, Mit, Mitskavites, Mitskavites. One of the things that we do try, when you have we have a musician, we do try to figure out what is the catchy sobriquet for their right. uh, for their sobriquet. Yeah. Sobriquet, one. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, do moniker. Want to- moniker i i you know i'm t- totally jealous um you know of that thing i said is that she's she's pointing her bat at the wall and saying i'm gonna hit the ball over there and she cracks yep. it and she's doing something like that fucking people who know what they want and get it yeah Fuck. and but but can get it you know like actually have the ability to execute is a huge thing but you know here's the other thing too is that something that came like i, I said i i read a lot of uh, detachment and there's like an icy cool to some of these songs and you know you, met, you mentioned Sarah McLaughlin before I was thinking oh that's kind of the same register Sarah McLaughlin had that same said that same time not different different style but the voice in some ways sounded had the same kind of register but you know like like you know we did talk about Billie Eilish and you know you mentioned her just before but like Billie Eilish you know Billie Eilish gives out this idea that she's completely over music she's completely over uh, all of this stuff you know she she wears her gigantic shorts she twists her carrot shaped fatty she wears a huge louis vuitton hat and she just checks out yeah. like i don't know what this yeah. all is about but i'm getting out of here guys i'm not playing the game that you guys are playing uh, you know, there, there's a brand of performer who seems to despise making music and being a pop star yeah and yet they become enormous pop stars well but of half it. of those people it's a complete act it is, and I don't look. I mean, I don't think that's the act. You wouldn't know with Miss Gatsby because, like you said, she's guarded. You don't know anything about her biography. I, I, I don't buy if Mitski, if the whole Mitski, if Mitski's like Madonna behind the scenes, I'd be maybe, but I'd be very surprised. I, I, you but, know, I, okay. I have the feeling it's like, boy, if this is such a burden, making millions of dollars and being adored by millions, then go become a Cooper or a log splitter. <laughs> You know, if you find if you find making pop pop records, go open a blacksmith shop. All right, all right. Here's here's the other thing. This is a tangent, but I kept thinking, do you know that guy? I think he's from fucking Maine or Vermont. That guy Ray Lamontagne. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's a guitarist, right? He's a folky kind of guy who does. My sort dad of, likes him. Yeah, right? that's the thing. He's this guy. I'm assuming he's around our age. He's a white dude. He looks like fucking Timothy McVeigh. He is a slight guy with this enormous chin beard, and he sings with this incredibly blues and 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 soul choked voice. He sent his his headline song was called Trouble, and it's such an overwrought. Everything about him is so dour and dry and tortured. And it's like, bro, if you don't want Lawrence Fishburne to go to your fucking concert and get in the front row and point at you, it's like by all means, make maple syrup. Don't pretend to be a fucking pop star for our sake. <laughs> Honestly, it's like you're not doing yeah. us a favor by pretending well, to, you know, by, by, by pretending to be happy about all this. If this is a fucking burden on you, anyway, I, it's not nearly as bad with her, but she does give off a lot of disinterest at the uh, station that she's in. I don't know if it's disinterest. I think you think it's a cult- and I'm giving air? I'm giving her a lot of credit here because I like her art and I like the vibe she gives off. 
So here, here is my charitable interpretation of what's going on with Mitski. Mitski had a tough childhood. Moving country to country. Can I moved to a new country once when I was a kid, and that was bad enough, right? She did it a bunch of times. Maybe her dad was an asshole. That's a theory, right? Uh, culture shock, you know, then you get here and... Uh, I mean, she brings this up. People fetishize the Asian woman. It can't be easy for a lot of people. She's right? 31. She's young. I she's 31. She's she's beautiful and attractive. So, I mean, my opinion, and I, I would imagine the opinion of a large number of heterosexual men, probably non-heterosexual women, right? So I think she's probably very guarded. I think she wants to get her art out there. She feels the need to express her art. I think she has fun performing. She has fun singing, right? Yeah, like she think, wants to express so. herself yeah. this way. But she's wary. She's guarded. I mean, I have no standing to say this. Maybe she's damaged, right? Like, I kind of envy that because I, you know, I, I'm too open. And I open myself up to, you know, getting hurt because of that. It's, let's, let's get real about Noah's emotions. But these people <laughs> who are able to kind of like, put up the walls or a little, or at least be more wary, or at least look before they leap a little more than I can. I envy that, right? So I envy that aspect. You know, you brought it up. I mean, more I envy just, look, right out of the, like you said, she knew what she wanted to do. She went out there, she did it. Right out of the gate. She met that guy at SUNY Purchase. She got her album's release. She got picked up by this, that. She's got more talent than I have. I mean, of course, you know, again, I envy everyone we talk about in this fucking show. So, um, sure. And she's, you know, She's you look at her on stage and man, like she owns that stage. I work hard to try to own my stage and I, I think I do it sometimes, right? She that clip I sent you, I it kind of it kind of grabbed me. It made my jaw drop. I like the boot. Yeah, it's weird, but that's the point. It's supposed to be weird, right? I find weird stuff appealing when it actually is weird and not like a freaking McDonald's commercial where they're trying to convince me that McDonald's is where all the hipsters go, you know? <laughs> They do that. By the way, fuck McDonald's. You seen their new ad campaign? McDonald's menu hacks. I'm sorry. If McDonald's is publicly like trumpeting how to hack their menu, the word hack has lost all meaning. McDonald's printing hack our menu on their bags. We, no. have, we have reached the other side. I, I, have an, I have an important question to ask you, Noah. Yes. Where, where would you yeah. rank Miski on the Felonian scale, our XYZ right. axis of all of our topics? All right. You ready for this? I am, you yes. ready for this? Hit me. I got this, man. So I went through the list of every, all our topics. Maybe I missed one. I don't think I did. All the sad girls we looked at. You got, you got, you, you know, Lana Del Rey, Billie Eilish, Taylor Swift, sort of. Taylor Swift's halfway there. Fiona Apple, Olivia Rodrigo, and Lucy Dacus. Mm -hmm. Add them all up. Yeah. You get Mitski. Okay. Yeah, I think that's and, and that. And that goes from Fiona Apple, who, you know, I think is pretty good, to Lana Del Rey, who's, you know, I, I think mostly a pile of hot garbage. You know, put them all together, whatever number you arrive at, Mitski. A number you arrive at. Well, num uh, coordinates, you know, a distance, yeah. absolute value. What Cartesian happens, coordinates. You know? Uh, I, Cartesian you know, actually, I found somebody right off the bat. I looked for a couple of seconds and I saw somebody I thought was an incredible analog, which is Bo Burnham. Uh, now, Bo Burnham. Oh, wow. Bo Burnham See, is okay. huge. Bo Burnham is a monolith. Bo Burnham is yeah. a lot, a lot bigger uh, a phenomenon but that's because he's a visual artist because he's a filmmaker and a musician and all those things however right. i think that the, the criterion i was using was that bo burnham was transformational for a younger audience uh and i generally see the appeal and i guess bo, bo burnham is around the same age i think he's he's around 30 32 there's something like right around there and that, up, keep talking yeah and that it's like you, you i generally see the appeal uh, yeah, they were both born 1990. Both there you born go. 1990. Yeah, so they're again, they're, and, and you know, the, the magnitude, the orders of magnitude are different. You know, until Miski decides she wants to direct a movie, which could very well happen, like Bill Burnham has already done a couple of movies. But uh, you know, I generally see the appeal. But if you're older than 30, uh, I think personally, I can see the strings a little bit. Where I see the, I see the artifice. The artifice leads a little more uh, it doesn't sink into the background and become a whole thing uh, I see the intention I see a little too I see a lot of the effort with Bo Burnham I definitely see that you know as much as I've enjoyed Bo Burnham's work I saw it when he did Inside and there are some times where Bo Burnham is uh, the whole is equal to some of the parts 
And there are some times where I see his effort. I see the, the rivulets of sweat where he tries to be cute. He does try to be all things to all people. I see where he's really endeavoring to be Bo Burnham rather than just being Bo Burnham. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think I see a little bit of that with Minsky too. But I mean, look, if that's the worst thing I could say about a, a person who's incredibly successful, uh, trans- transform- transformational, transformative, um, and engaging and also hitting the iron at the right moment. I mean, that's not really even criticism. That's just whatever Bill Scurry thinks of the matter. That's about it. Bo Burnham is 37 days older than Mitski. Uh, I find that an interesting comparison because I don't know about you, but I put Bo Burnham definitely in the top 5% of topics we've ever looked at. Uh, I'd much rather, I don't know if I'd much rather, Bo Burnham speaks to me more than Mitski does, but maybe it's just because I'm more a comedy guy than a sad music person. But I can, I can grok that their, their talent level is, you know, comparative and and maybe there's something to the fact that they were born the same year that they they you know they tap into the same kind of creative firmament just from you know in completely different art forms right yeah yeah you know what i'd be interested to read like a graduate thesis or something or like how mitski and bo burnham show two sides of the you know Millennial, whatever. Or how about how about this? Post-millennial, like Vanity, whatever you Vanity Fair about. does those roundtables where they get one uh, creative professional to uh, an interview another creative professional, and so the two of them sort of talking about yeah. their disciplines oh, yeah, sure. on a on a Zoom would be something I'd be interested in listening to for sure. Yeah. Okay. Someone get on that. Someone with more power than us. Get yeah, on. Make that happen. Uh, anyway, make it happen. While you're waiting for that to happen, what? Yeah. I, while I, you're waiting for that to happen, as your lawyer, I, I yeah. say listen to Mitski. I say you could do a lot worse than that, but. You know, or we usually do. Or hear me out here. You can go back and okay, listen. You can re-listen to all your greatest, all the greatest hits of this show too. You could do yes. that. You know. Hear what we said about Lana Del Rey and Olivia Rodrigo. Yeah, and the weird thing is, I keep mentioning Burnham, and it's like the ranking of Burnham because Eighth Grade came out after that. I think that like I would have to really reassess that. But I mean, who knows? Maybe there'll be a reason to do that at some point. Now, nonetheless, uh, that episode's out there. All the other ones on Apple Spot, Apple Podcasts. Spound Cloud, Schmoogle Play, and Splitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill Show. Write to us, Noah and Bill. Don't get it at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators because that's how people hunt and peck for other podcasts. They forage for mushrooms yeah, and come podcasts. Come on. Seriously, review us on iTunes. We got to start looking up if people. Uh, will you get a notification if we're reviewed? Will we know, or do we have to go? Oh, I, I look at them on the regular. We haven't gotten any yeah. reviews in a while. Yeah. What's yeah. wrong with? Come on, people. We're, what's, what's we're, wrong? We're gonna, with we're gonna start guilting. <laughs> we're already guilting them. They feel guilty. Apparently, as it is. a lot. Yeah. Uh, I'm on. I'm on Twitter at William Scary, and I'm on YouTube. YouTube.com/slash/AMCaesar. And now Noah moves his mouth, and sounds come out. Ah, the big quiz thing. Bigquizthing.com, the finest in corporate and private trivia events, virtually and in person. Um, Start a book for the summer already. Kind of crazy. But I think people are optimistic. And I like that. Uh, and we occasionally do public events. In fact, I personally am hosting two upcoming public events in San Francisco, if you are a neighbor of mine, February 20th at the Crossing at East Cut Outdoors. Beautiful new event um, location in the heart of the financial district. Sort of, kind of, financial district, I guess I call it. And then... Uh, um, Friday, March 4th, we are in the Mission at Manny's uh, with a music quiz. Both times hosted by me. Both times free admission. How about that? Uh, so learn all about it at BigQuizThing.com. All right, everybody. Until the next weird, pokey, hand gesture sign language knee patty episode of our show, we, we don't, don't get, get it. it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2022.